0: So Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 8. Uh, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's have a word of prayer before we continue. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for your word, a word which you have inspired, uh, words which are living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, uh, words that speak into our very souls. And Father, this morning, as ever, we pray, would we be attentive to your voice, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, we've, um, if you've been with us over the last few months, you know that we've been studying uh, Luke's Gospel. Well, uh, you may know that Acts is Luke's uh, second book. Luke is a, he's a doctor, he's a historian, and he's concerned to, uh, you know, to put down a record of Jesus' life, and now in this second book, a record of the early church, the beginnings of the church. And he begins this second book uh, by saying, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so the the obvious implication is that Jesus hasn't stopped. Jesus is still doing and Jesus is still teaching. Uh, Luke's written his gospel about uh, Jesus and now he's writing a book about Jesus. It's about the ministry of Jesus. First book was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. This book is about what Jesus has continued to do and teach. But immediately he says, until the day he was taken up to heaven... So if Jesus has been taken up to heaven, as we were thinking last Sunday, as we were reflecting on the ascension of Jesus's bodily ascension into heaven. If Jesus has ascended into heaven, then how can this book be about the ministry of Jesus? Well, because, as Luke records, Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit. On the church. There's unbroken continuity between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church. Jesus went about teaching about the kingdom of God and demonstrating what the kingdom of God looked like, and the book of Acts describes exactly the same thing. The apostles, the disciples go around teaching about the kingdom of God and showing people what the kingdom of God looks like. So uh, Luke begins. This is all, my first book was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now this second book is about the continuation of that. And so he records that on one occasion when Jesus is meeting with, his, uh, with the apostles, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. First thing of importance, and the reason why Jesus tells them to wait, is because uh, the Christian uh, Christianity, the Christian faith, is not about information. It's about transformation. If it was just about information, then the apostles wouldn't have needed to wait. They could have just uh, got on and told people what they knew. And what they knew was that uh, they'd known this person, uh, Jesus. They could have told people everything that they'd seen Jesus do, and they could have told people about Jesus' his death on the cross and then his resurrection. They could have given information. They had all the information that they needed, but the, uh, the gospel message is not just uh, information. It's not just an ideology. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a, a rule of life. It's about transformation. It's about hearts and lives that are transformed, that are redeemed, that are reborn. And for that... We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why Jesus tells them to wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus has already taught the apostles about the Holy Spirit and what to expect when the Holy Spirit comes. So I want to reflect for a few minutes this morning and go back to see, well, what did Jesus tell his disciples uh, when he says to them, um, you've heard me speak about this? What are they going to be remembering? Uh, So we need to go back in, uh, I'm going to go back in John's Gospel. uh, Because Jesus tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit, about this gift that the Father has promised. I'm going to read firstly from John's Gospel, John chapter 7, from verse 37. Uh, We read this. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus, to, uh, just to set the, the context, what is this feast? This is the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, it's one of the great Jewish feasts. And one of the things that happens at the Feast of Tabernacles is there is a, a celebration and a thanksgiving for the rain that God has given so that they've been able to bring in a good harvest. And one of the things that happens at the festival is they pray that God will give them rains uh, for the next season and for the next harvest and one of the things that one of the, the centrepieces of this festival is a reenactment or an envisioning of a promise made in the prophet, by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 47, which we'll turn to in a moment. But what happens in the middle of this festival is that the high priest leads a great procession from the temple. He takes a silver jug and he leads a great procession out of the temple, down through Jerusalem to the pool of Siloam. And he fills this jug with water from the pool of Siloam. And then he leads this procession back into the temple, back up to the altar. And in the floor, on the south side of the altar, is a funnel. The funnel is set into the floor. And the high priest lifts this jug of water high. And then, with great ceremony, pours this jug of water into this funnel set into the floor. In In anticipation... Of the day when the prophet, the the prophet Ezekiel's prophecy in Ezekiel 47 will be fulfilled. And this is what Ezekiel saw in a vision in Ezekiel 47. He says, the man brought me to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the uh, to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. They then go further another thousand cubits and the water becomes knee deep. Measures off another thousand, goes through water that is up to Ezekiel's waist. Measures off another thousand, and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Ezekiel is now out of his depth in this river. The man says, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side. He said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the uh, Araba where it enters the sea. What sea? The Dead Sea. What do we know about the Dead Sea? It's dead. <laughs> I was in Israel a few years ago. I floated in the Dead Sea and you float because the salt is so concentrated. It's dead. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. This river in Ezekiel's vision empties into the sea and what happens? The water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. A fisherman will stand along the shore. There'll be many kinds of fish like the fish of the great sea, the Mediterranean. Uh, He goes on. Fruit trees will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. So you get the idea of what's going on in this vision that Ezekiel sees. A day is going to come when a great river will flow from the temple, and wherever this river flows, life Will come. That which is dead will come to life. Their fruit will serve for food, their leaves for healing. It will be fruitfulness, it will be living, it will be restoration, it will be redemption, it will be resurrection. That's what's going on in the middle of this festival. And Jesus, not being very subtle, gets up in the middle of it and says, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of water will flow from within them. In other words, it's Jesus saying, look, this prophecy of Ezekiel is going to come true. It is going to be fulfilled. But it's not going to be fulfilled with a physical river flowing from a physical temple. It's going to be the river of the Holy Spirit flowing from me. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. And John makes the note. uh, By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this is what Jesus has explained to his disciples. He's saying, look, this is is the day that you should expect. So when Jesus says uh, to them in Acts, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, this is what they've got in mind. They're thinking, ah, yes, this Ezekiel uh, prophecy, Ezekiel 47, that's what Jesus has promised. That's what we should expect. But Jesus tells them more about what to expect when the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, John's Gospel, John chapter 14, verse 16. uh, Jesus says this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you he lives with you and will be in you the promised holy spirit comes to dwell within us i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you one of the one of the things that the holy spirit does in our lives is give us that assurance that we are God's children—not just the knowledge that we are God's children—that comes from believing in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, but the experience of knowing Him in our lives. The experience of knowing Him, warming our hearts. It's that thing that you can't—you can't demonstrate, you can't show anybody. Well, it looks—you like, can't prove it. You—you you just know when it's true. Uh, Paul writes um, in Romans chapter eight. Uh, reminding the church at Rome, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Jesus says, I'm I not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. Uh, you're going to be adopted into my family. And Paul says, we've received the spirit of adoption. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive that that affirmation uh, that we are his children. Uh, Jesus goes on. uh, uh, John 14, verse 26. The counsellor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, the Holy Spirit comes as our teacher. One of the wonderful things about uh, reading the Bible as a Christian is that we read this book with the author of the book dwelling within us. And as we read this book from time to time, he He puts his finger on things that we particularly need to take note of. When we're familiar with this book, there are times when the Holy Spirit reminds us of things that we've read, reminds us of promises when we find ourselves um, uh, alone and uh, maybe abandoned. The Bible reminds us that God's promise is that he'll never forsake us, never abandon us, that he'll always be with us. Uh, when we wonder whether or not we are loved, the Bible reminds us that God is love. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things, reminds us of the things that Jesus has said. The the apostles had the great advantage of having lived with Jesus for three years. They heard his voice. Well, we have God's revelation from the words of Scripture. God has spoken. And by his Holy Spirit, he still speaks to us, reminds us of his truth. Uh, what else? John chapter 16. Um, Jesus says this uh, as he's explaining to them why he has to return to the Father. He says, unless I go away, the counsellor will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because people do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convince us of things that are true. There's a little um, discussion going on in um, my Turner page Facebook page at the moment in response to the post that I put up on Friday uh, because um, i, I, I don 't know if you've read the post, but somebody made the comment about um, uh, i 've got a little video on there about why I believe in jesus and, uh, and somebody commented, well why believe in, why believe in an imaginary friend and that has sparked a little discussion that is is quite wholesome at the moment. I kind of keep an eye on and I delete all the stuff that 's not very wholesome but there 's quite an interesting little discussion going on at the moment and, um, and one of the comments in in the thread is that it's the Holy Spirit who does the work of conviction. That we cannot, you can't convince someone of the truth of God. You can present uh, reasonable arguments, but in the end, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that changes the heart and makes us understand that these things are true. In regard to sin, you know, we live in a culture, we live in a world that, you know, doesn't have much regard for sin. Uh, we don't we don't really understand that concept in our society. We live in a society where well everything's okay as long as you don't harm anybody. Everything's you know everything I'm okay. I, you know I'm all right. Uh, well, the Holy Spirit puts His finger on our hearts and convicts us of the fact actually we're not all right as we are because we are however good we are we're not perfect. We're not as God is. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We don't work it out on our own. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, this um, dear, I think it's a man, this dear man who's commented on my Facebook thing and, and, and said, well, Jesus, he's just your imaginary friend. He doesn't, he's not real. He doesn't, he doesn't exist. That's what so much of our world thinks. Well, the Holy Spirit convicts us of the fact, convinces us of the truth that Jesus is who he said he was. He is the Son of God. He lived, he died, he's ascended to the Father and is reigning in heaven. He is The righteous one, even though he died a criminal's death on a cross, he was God's righteous one. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. These things are true and it's a work of the Holy Spirit to convince us of these things. So when Jesus says to his disciples, says to the apostles, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. As they're waiting, these are the things that they will have been talking about amongst themselves. These are the things they would have been expecting, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in fulfilment of Ezekiel 47, at the outpouring of this spiritual river of life that would dwell in them, would dwell in us as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and through us Touch the lives of others, bring life and healing and fruitfulness. Uh, We speak words of life when we tell people about Jesus. And we minister power as we pray. As we pray for people for healing, as we pray for people for deliverance. As we pray for those who are lost, as we pray for those who need to know that they are forgiven. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. He's the one who brings conviction. He's the one who reminds us of the things that are true. These are the things they would have been thinking about as they waited. And what's the purpose of all of this? Uh, well, Jesus tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's why God has poured out his Holy Spirit on the church. So that we may be witnesses to the ends of the earth of God's love. That's why we're here meeting in Bolney, Because on that first day of Pentecost people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church spread throughout the world. And it found its way to our little village. And touched and impacted our lives. And our prayer is that, as the people of God in this place, we must be filled with God's Spirit, so that we can continue that work. Uh, earlier on, you may remember in Luke's Gospel, a few months ago, we were uh, looking at Jesus's teaching on prayer. And uh, as Jesus was teaching his disciples about prayer, he taught them this. He says, "I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened." For everyone who asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus says, you know, your heavenly father has good gifts to give you and only good gifts to give you. Therefore, ask your father in heaven to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? is I think, um, I think I talked about this when we uh, preached on it a couple of months ago. Uh, why does Jesus make a particular mention of us asking God for the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us life. And it's the Holy Spirit who emboldens us, who empowers us, who enables us to be good news to the world. That's why we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. And one final uh, encouragement from the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to the church in Ephesus, writing to encourage them in their Uh, Walk with the Lord Jesus, encourage them as they are seeking to be witnesses to the good news of Jesus in the pagan world that they inhabited. Uh, He gives them this um, uh, warning, this encouragement, uh, Ephesians 5 verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music. In your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. His encouragement to them is that they would be filled with the Spirit. And the tense of the verb is present continuous. It's mean be filled with the Spirit now, and then be filled with the Spirit tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Be continually asking God. To fill you with his spirit so that you can be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Continually ask the Father to give you this gift. If I had time to preach um, another sermon, uh, which I don't, I would <laughs> preach another sermon on why uh, we need to continually be asking the Lord to fill us with the spirit. Uh, because we, the stuff that we do that, that grieves the Holy Spirit, the stuff that we do that resists the Holy Spirit... We're, we're imperfect. We're frail. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is like a dove. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, I've started preaching another sermon. I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> point is, point is, we, each day, I, often I begin the day to saying, Lord, I need you. I need you. Fill me with your spirit today so that I can, I can make a name for you. I don't want to make a name for myself. I want to make a name for you, and I need you to help me. So we're going to, I'm going to invite you to, to stand. If you're at home, you might like to stand as well. Uh, uh, you might need to, yes. Um, yeah, If you might want to stand if you're at home. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, if you'd like to just hold your hands out, shut your eyes. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. We're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? So please stand. We're going to pray. We're going to wait a moment or two. Then we're going to... Uh, we're just going to have a song playing quietly. Uh, the song is All Who Are Thirsty. That's us. If we're the people of God, we're thirsty, aren't we? Thirsty for more, more of the Lord in our lives. I'm, if I'm dissatisfied about anything in my life, I'm dissatisfied about how much of the Lord I know and, and how much he's in my life. I want more of the Lord. I want more of the Lord in the church. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's pray. Let's pray.